Sargasso of Lost Starships, Chapter 6 The highway curved between great looming walls of cragged old rock, a shadow tunnel with the wind yowling far overhead and the sun a disk of blood. Men's footfalls echoed from the cracked paving blocks to boom hollowly off time-gnawed cliffs and ring faintly in the ice. It was cold, their breath smoked from them, and they shivered and cursed and stamped their feet. Donovan walked beside Helena, who was riding Watcher. His eyes narrowed against the searching wind, looking ahead and around, looking for the sidetrack where the ambush waited. Dragobich was very near. Something moved up on the ridge, a flapping black thing which was instantly lost to sight. The Arzunians were watching. There, up ahead, the solitary tree they had spoken of, growing out between age-crumbled fragments of the road. The highway swung west around a pinnacle of rock, but here there was a branch road running straight south into a narrow ravine. All I have to do is suggest we take it. They won't know till too late that it leads up a blind canyon. Eleanor leaned over toward him, so that the long wind-whipped hair blew against his cheek. Which way should we go? she asked. One hand rested on his shoulder. He didn't slacken his stride, but his voice was low under the whine of bitter air. To the white, Helena, none the double. The Azunians are waiting up the other road, but Dragobich is just beyond that crag. Basil, how do you know? Watcher's long, hairy ears cocked attentively, and the little eyes under the heavy bone ridges were suddenly sharp on his master. They wanted me to mislead you. I didn't say anything before for fear they'd be listening somehow. I hadn't decided, he thought greatly, because Valduma is mad, and I love her. Helena turned and lifted her arm, voice ringing out to rattle in jeering echoes. Column right! Forward! Charge! Watcher broke into a trot, the ground booming and shivering under his huge feet. Donovan paced beside, drawing his sword and swinging it naked in one hand, his eyes turned to the canyon and the rocks above it. The humans fell into a jogging run. They swept past the ambush road, and suddenly Valdumo was on the ridge above them, tall and slim and beautiful, the hair like a blowing flame under her helmet. Basil! she screamed. Basil, you triple traitor! The others were there with her, men of Dragobich standing on the heights and howling their fury. They had chains in their hands, and suddenly the air was thick with flying links. One of them smashed against Donovan and curled itself snake-like around his waist. He dropped his sword and tugged at the cold iron, feeling the breath strained out of him, cursing with the pain of it. Watcher reached down a hand and peeled the chain off, snapping it in two and hurling it back at the Azunians. It whipped in the air, lashing itself across his face, and he bellowed. The men of Saul were weltering in a fight with the flying chains, beating them off, stamping the writhing lengths underfoot, yelling as the things cracked against their heads. Forward! cried Helena. Charge! Get out of here! Forward! Empire! A chain whistled viciously for her face. She struck at it with her sword, tanging it on the blade, metal clashing on metal. Takahashi had his blaster out, its few remaining charges thundering to fuse the missiles. Other flames roared at the Arzunians, driving them back, forcing them to drop control of the chains to defend their lives. Run! Forward! The column shouted and plunged down the highway. Valduma was suddenly before them, her face distorted in fury, stabbing a spear at Donovan's breast. The man parried the thrust and hewed at her. She was gone, and the Terrans rushed ahead. The rocks groaned. Donovan saw them shuddering above him. 
saw the first hail of gravel and heard the huge grinding of strata. They're trying to bury us, he yelled. We've got to get there. Watchers stooped, snatched him under one arm and galloped. A boulder whizzed by his head, smashing against the farther wall and spraying him with hot chips of stone. Now the boom of the landslide filled their world, rolling and roaring between the high cliffs. Cracks zigzagged across the worn black heights. The crags shivered and toppled. Dust boiled across the road. Basil! Donovan saw Valduma again, dancing and leaping between the boulders, raising a scream of wrath and laughter. Morzak was there, sitting on a jut of rock, watching the hillside fall. Watcher burst around the sentinel peak. A line of Arzunians stood barring the way to Dragobich, the sunlight flaming off their metal. Watcher dropped Donovan, hefted his axe in both hands, and charged them. Donovan picked himself up and scrambled in the wake of his slave. Behind him, the Terrans were streaming from the collapsing dale, out over open ground to strike the enemy. The rocks bounded and howled. A man screamed as he was pinned. There were a dozen buried under the landslide. Watch hit the Azunian line. His axe blazed, shearing off an arm, whirling up again to crumble a helmet and cleave the skull beneath. Rearing, he knocked down two of them and trampled them underfoot. A warrior smote at his flank. Helena, gripping one mighty shoulder, engaged him with her free hand, her blade whistling around his ears. They fell away from that pair, and the Terrans attacked them. Donovan crossed swords with one he knew, Maravech, the laughing half-devil whose words he had so much enjoyed in earlier days. The Azunian grinned at him across a web of flying steel. His blade stabbed in, past the Anson's awkward guard, reaching for his guts. Donovan retreated, abandoning the science he didn't know, for wild whirling and hacking, his iron battering at the bright weapon before him. Clash and clang of edged metal, leaping and dancing, Maravec's red hair wild in the rising wind, and his eyes alight with laughter. Donovan felt his backward step halted. He was against the high stone pillar and could not run. He braced his feet and hewed out, a scream of cloven air and outraged steel. Maravec's sword went spinning from his hand. It hit the ground and bounced up toward the Ozunian's clutch. Donovan smote again, and the shock of iron in flesh jarred him where he stood. Maravec felt a rush of blood. For an instant Donovan stood swaying over the Ozunian, looking stupidly at the blood on his own hands, hearing the clamor of his heartbeat and sucking a dry gasp into his lungs. Then he picked up the fallen being's glaive. It was a better weapon. Turning, he saw that the fight had become a riot, knots of men and unmen snarling and hacking in a craziness of death. No room or time here for wizard stunts. It was blood and bone and nerve against its kind. The Terrans fought without much skill in the use of their archaic equipment, but they had the cold courage blended of training and desperation. They knew better how to cooperate. They battled away to each other and stood back to back against all comers. Watcher raged and trampled, smashing with axe and fist and feet and hurled stones, his war cry bellowing and shuddering in the hills. An Izunian vanished from in front of him and appeared behind with spear poised. The Denarian suddenly backed up, catching the assailant and smashing him under his hind feet while he dueled another from the front. Helena's arm never rested. She swung to right and left, guarding his flanks, yelling as her blade drove home. Donovan shook himself and trotted warily over to where a tide of Azunians raged about a closely drawn ring of impies. The humans were standing firm, driving each charge back in a rush of blood, keeping the dead before them. But now spears were beginning to fall out of the sky, driven by no hand but stabbing for the throats and eyes and bellies of men. 
Donovan loped for the sharp edge of the hills where they toppled to the open country in which the fight went on. He scrambled up a rubbled slope and gripped a thin pinnacle to swing himself higher. She was there. She stood on a ledge, the heap of spears at her feet, looking down over the battle and chanting she sent forth the flying death. He noticed even then how her hair was a red glory about the fine white loveliness of her head. Baldumer, he whispered as he struck at her. She was not there. She sat on a higher ledge and jeered at him. Come and get me, Basil, darling, darling, come up here and talk to me. He looked at her as Lucifer must have looked back to heaven. Let us go, he said. Give us a ship and send us home. And have you bring our overlords back in, she laughed aloud. They aren't so bad, Valdomer. The Empire means peace and justice for all races. Who speaks? Her scorn flamed at him. You don't believe that. He stood there for a moment. No, he whispered. No, I don't. Trooping, he picked up a sheaf of spears and began to crawl back down the rocks. Valdumer cursed him from the heights. There was a break in the combat around the hard-pressed Terran ring as the Azunians drew back to pant and glare. Donovan ran through and flung his load, clashing at the feet of Takahashi. Good work, said the officer. We need these things. Here, get into the formation. Here we go again. The Azunians charged in a wedge to gather momentum. Donovan braced himself and lifted his sword. The Terrans in the inner ring slanted their spears between the men of the outer defense. For a very long half-minute, they stood waiting. The enemy hit. Donovan hewed at the nearest, drove the probing sword back and hammered against the guard. Then the whirl of battle swept his antagonist away. Someone else was there. He traded blows and the howl of men and metal lifted skyward. The Terrans had staggered a little from the massive assault but it spitted itself on the inner pikes, and then swords and axes went to work. Ha! Clang through the skull and give it to him. High Empire! Ansar! Ansar! Clatter and yell and deep-throated roar, the Azunians boiling around the solar line, leaping and howling and whipping out of sight, a habit which saved their lives but blunted their attack, thought Donovan in a moment's pause. Watcher smashed the last few who had been standing before him, looking around to the major struggle and pawed the ground. Ready, lady, he rumbled. Aye, ready, watcher, let's go. The denarian backed up to get a long-running space. Hang on tight, he warned. Never mind fighting, lady, all right? He broke into a trot, a canter, and then a full gallop. The earth trembled under his mass. Hoo! he screamed. Here we come! Helena threw both arms around his corded neck. When they hit, it was like a nuclear bomb going off. In a few seconds of murder, watcher had strewn the ground with smashed corpses, whirled and began cutting his way into the disordered main group of the Arzunians. They didn't stand before him. Suddenly they were gone, all of them, except for the dead. Donovan looked over the field. The dead were thick, thick. He estimated that half the little Terran force was slain or out of action. They must have taken three or four times their number of Arzunians to the black planet with them. The stony ground was pooled and steaming with blood. Carrion birds stooped low, screaming. Helena fell from Watcher's back into Donovan's arms, comforted her wild sobbing, holding her to him and murmuring in her ear and kissing the wet cheeks and lips. It's over, dear. It's over for now. We drove them away. She recovered herself in a while and stood up, straightening her torn disarray, the mask of command clamping back over her face. The Takahashi. How are our casualties? He reported. It was much as Donovan had guessed. But we gave him hell for it, didn't we? How is that? wondered Cohen. He leaned against Watcher, 
not showing the pain and jag through him as they bandaged his wounded foot, except by an occasional sharp breath. The more at home with this cutlery than we, and they have those damned parasite talents too. They're not quite sane, replied Donovan tonelessly. Whether you call it a cultural trait or a madness which has spread to the whole population, a wild, bloodthirsty crew, two-legged weasels, and with a superiority complex which wouldn't have let them be very careful in dealing with us. No discipline, no real plan of action. He looked south of the rolling moorland. Those things count. They may know better next time. Next time? If your sixty men can't defeat a planet, Donovan, said Takahashi. No, this is an old dying race. The whole population in the city ahead and most of it will flee in panic and take no part in any fighting. They aren't used to victims that fight back. If we can slug our way through the spaceships they have there. Spaceships! The eyes stared at him, wild with a sudden blaze of hope, men crowding close and leaning on their reddened weapons and raising a babble of voices. Spaceships! Spaceships! Home! Yeah, Donovan ran a hand through his yellow hair. The fingers trembled just a bit. Some ships, the first ones, they merely destroyed by causing the engines to run loose but others they brought here, I suppose, by inducing the crew to land and parley. Only they killed the crews and can't handle the machines themselves. If they captured ships, said Helena slowly, then they captured weapons too, and even they could squeeze a trigger. Sure, but you didn't see them shooting at us just now, did you? They used all the charges to hunt or duel, so if we can break through and escape, they can still follow us and wreck our engines, said Takahashi. Not if we take a small ship, as we'd have to anyway, and mount guard over the vital spots. An Ozunian would have to be close at hand, and using all his energies to misdirect atomic flows. He could be killed before any mischief was done. I doubt if they'd even try. Besides, went on Donovan, his voice dry and toneless as a lecturing professor's, they can only do so much at a time. I don't know where they get the power for some of their feats, such as leaving this planet's gravitational well. It can't be from their own metabolisms. It must be some unknown cosmic energy source. They don't know how it works themselves. It's an instinctive ability. But it takes a lot of nervous energy to direct that flow, and I found last time I was here that they have to rest quite a while after some strenuous deed. So if we can get them tired enough, then the fight is likely to wear both sides down. They won't be able to chase us till we're out of their range. Takahashi looked oddly at him. You know a lot, he murmured. Yeah, maybe I do. Well, if the city is close as you say, we'd better march right away before our wounds stiffen, before the natives get a chance to organize. We got carrying devices for those too badly hurt to move, said Helen. The walking wounded can tote them, and the rest of us form a protective square. Won't that slow us and handicap us? asked Donovan. Her hair lifted, the dark hair blowing about her proud features in a thin, whimpering wind. As long as it's humanly possible, we're going to look after our men. What's the Imperium for if it can't protect its own? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Donovan slouched off to join the salvaging party that was stripping the falling Ozunians of arms and armor for Terran use. He rolled over a corpse to unbuckle the helmet and looked at the blood-masked face of Kostuzan, who had been his friend once, very long ago. He closed the staring eyes, and his own were blind with tears. Watcher came to join him. The denarian didn't seem to notice the gashes on his hide, but he was equipped with a shield now, and had a couple of extra swords slung from his shoulders. You've got a good lady, boss, he said. She fights hard. She will bear you strong sons. Uh-huh. Valdumar could never bear my children, 
different species can't breed. She is the outlaw darkness, the last despairing return to primeval chaos. She is the enemy of all which is honest and good, but she is very fair. Slowly the humans reformed their army, a tight ring about the wounded, and set off down the road. The dim sun wheeled horizonward. Chapter 7 Dragobich lay before them. The city stood on the open grey moor, and it had once been large, but its outer structures were long crumbled to ruin, heaps and shards of stone riven by ages of frost, fallen and coveted by the creeping dust. Here and there a squared monolith remained like the last snag in a rotted jaw, dark against the windy sky. It was quiet. Nothing stirred in all the sweeping immensity of hill and moor and ruin and loneliness. Helena pointed from her seat on Watcher, and her lilt of hope was eager in the tired voice. See! A ship! Ahead there! They stared, and someone raised a ragged chair. Over the black, square-built houses of the inner city, they could make out the metal nose of a freighter. Takahashi squinted. It's Denebian, I think, he said. Looks as if man isn't the only race which has suffered from these scum. All right, boys, said Helena. Let's go in and get it. They went down a long, empty avenue, which ran spear-straight for the centre. The porticoed houses gaped with wells of blackness at their passage, looming in cracked and crazily leaning massiveness on either side, throwing back the hollow slam of their boots. Donovan heard the uneasy mutter of voices to his rear. Don't like this place. Haunted. Be waiting anywhere for us. The wind blew a whirl of snow across their path. Basil, Basil, my dear. Donovan's head jerked around and he felt his throat tighten. Nothing. No movement. No sound. Emptiness. Basil, I'm calling you. No one else can hear. Why are you with these creatures, Basil? Why are you marching with the oppressors of your planet? We could free answer, Basil, given time to raise our armies. We could sweep the towns before us and hound them down the ways of night. And yet you march against us. Arduma, he whispered. Basil, you are very dear to me. You are something new and strong and of the future. Come to our weary old world. And I think I loved you. I could still love you, Basil. I could hold you forever, if you would let me. What do I have done? A mocking ripple of laughter, sweet as rain in springtime. The gallantry of a race which was old and sick and doomed and could still know mirth. Donovan shook his head and stared rigidly before him. It was as if he had laid hands on a piece of his soul which had been lost, and she was trying to wrench it from him again. Only he wanted her to win. Go home, Basil. Go home with this female of yours. Breed your cubs. Fill the house with brats and try to think your little round of days means something. Strut about under the blue skies, growing fat and grey. Bragging of what a great fellow you used to be, and disapproving of the younger generation. As you like, Basil, but don't go out to space again. Don't look at the naked stars, you won't dare. No, he whispered. She laughed, a harsh bell of mockery ringing in his brain. You could have been a god or a devil, but you would rather be a pot-bellied imperial magistrate. Go home, Basil Donovan. Take your female home, and when you are awakened at night, buy her, shall we say her breathing. Do not remember me. The Terrans slogged down down the street. 
filthy with dust and grease and blood, uncouth shambles, apes in the sombre ruin of the gods. Donovan thought he had a glimpse of Aldumi standing on a rooftop, the clean lithe fire of her, silken flame of her hair, and the green unhuman eyes which had lighted in the dark at his side. She had been a living blaze, an unending trumpet and challenge, and when she broke with him it had been quick and clean, no suddenness of age and custom, and, and damn it all the little things which made humanness. All right, Valduma, we're monkeys, we're noisy and self-important, compromises and tremors and petty cheats. We huddle away from the greatness we could have. Our edifices are laid brick by brick with endless futile squabbling over each one, and yet, Valduma, there is something in man which you don't have. There's something by which these men have fought their way through everything you could loose on them, helping each other, going forward on a ridiculous rag of coloured cloth and singing as they went. Fine words, added his mind. Too bad you don't really believe them. He grew aware of Helena's anxious eyes on him. What's the matter, darling? she asked gently. You look ill. Tired, he said. But we can't have so far to go now. Look out! Whirling, he saw the pillars of the house to the right buckle saw the huge stone slabs of the roof come thundering over the top and streetward. For a blinding instant he saw Valduma riding the slab down, yelling and laughing, and then she was gone and the stone struck. They were already running, dropping their burden of the hurt and fleeing for safety. Another house groaned and rumbled, the ground shook, flying shards stung Donovan's back, echoes rolled down the ways of Dragobich. Someone was screaming far and faint under the grinding racket. Forward! Forward! Helen's voice whipped back to him. She led the rush while the city thundered about her, and a veil of rising dust blotted her out. He groped ahead, stumbling over fallen pillars and cornices, hearing the boom around him, running and running. Balduma laughed, a red flame through the whirling dust. A spear gleamed for his breast. He grabbed it with one hand and hacked at her with his sword. She was gone, and he raced ahead, not stopping to think, not daring. They came out on a great open plaza, and carved fountains, but nothing remained save a few leafless trees and broken pieces, and the spaceships. The spaceships, a loom of metal against the dark stone beyond, half a dozen standing there and waiting. Spaceships, spaceships, the most beautiful sight in the cosmos. Helen and Watcher were halted near a small, fast, comic-class scout boat. The surviving Terrans ran toward them. Few, thought Donovan sickly, few, perhaps a score left, bleeding from the cuts of flying stone, grey with dust and fear. The city had been a trap. Come on, yelled the woman, over here and off this planet. The men of Dragobech were suddenly there, a ring about the ship, and another about the whole plaza crouched with their weapons and their cat's eyes aflame. A score of hurt starvelings and half a thousand unmen. men. A trumpet blew its high note into the dusking heavens. The Azunians rested arms, expressionless. Donovan and the other humans continued their pace, forming a battle square. Morzak stood forth in front of the scout ship. You have no further chance to escape, he called. But we want your services, not your lives, and the service will be well rewarded. Lay down your weapons. Watch's arms straightened, his axe flew like a thunderbolt, and Morzak's head burst open. The denarian roared and went against the enemy line. They edged away, fearfully, and the Terrans followed him in a trotting wedge. Donovan moved up on Watcher's right side, sword hammering at the thrusts for his ribs. An Arzunian yelled an order which must have meant stop them. Donovan saw the outer line break into a run, converging on the knot of struggle. 
No flying spears this time, he reflected in a moment's bleak satisfaction. Tearing down those walls must have exhausted most of the directing energies. A native rushed at him, sword whistling from behind a black shield. Donovan caught the blow on his own plundered scoot, feeling it ring in the bones of his arm and hewed back. His blade screamed close to the white, teeth-bared face, and he called a panting salutation. Try again, Davlicker. I will. The blows rained on his shield, sang viciously low to cut at his legs, clattering and clanging. Whistle of air and howl of iron under the westering sun. He backed up against Watcher's side, where the denarian and the woman smote against the airlock's defenders, and braced himself, and struck out. Davlika snarled and hacked at Donovan's spread leg. The Anson's glaive snaked forth against his unshielded neck. Davlika's sword clashed to earth, and he sprawled against the human. Raising his bloody face, he drew a knife, lifted it, and tried to thrust upward. Donovan, already crossing blades with Uboda, stamped on his hand. Davlika grinned a rueful, crooked grin through the streaming blood and died. Uboda pressed close, working up against Donovan's shield. He had none himself, but there was a dirk in his left hand. His sword locked with Donovan's, strained it aside, and his knife clattered swiftly for an opening. Helena turned about and struck from his seat. Uboda's head rolled against Donovan's shield and left a red splash down it. He reached. Watcher, swinging one of his swords, pushed ahead into the Alzunians, crowding them aside by his sheer mass, beating down a guard in the helmet or armor beyond it. Clear! he bellowed. I got the way clear, lady! Helena sprang to the ground and into the lock. Takahashi, Kirin, Basil, Wang Chi, come in and help me start the engines. The rest of you hold them off. Don't give them time to exert what collective power power they have left and ruin something. Make them think. Think about their lives, huh? Watcher squared off in front of the airlock and raised his sword. White boys, here they come. Let them have what they want. Donovan halted in the airlock. Balduma was there, her fiery head whirling in the rush of black-clad warriors. He leaned over and grabbed the spaceman's arm. Ben Ali, go in and help start this crate. I have to stay here. But... Donovan shoved him in, stood beside Takahashi, and braced himself to meet the Azunian charge. They rushed in, knowing that they had to kill the humans before there was an escape, swinging their weapons and howling. The shock of the assault threw men back, pressed them to the ship, and jammed weapons close to breasts. The Terrans cursed and began to use fists and feet, clearing a space to fight in. Donovan's sword clashed against a shield, drove off another blade, stabbed for a face, and then it was all lost in the crazed maelstrom. Hack and thrust and take the blows they give. Hew, sword, hew. They raged against Watcher, careless now of their lives, thundering blows against his shield, slashing and stabbing and using their last wizard strength to fill the air with blades. He roared and stood his ground. A sword leaped in his hand, metal clove in thunder. The shield was crumpled, falling apart. He tossed it with rib-cracking force against the nearest Arzunian. His nicked and blunted sword burst against a helmet, and he drew the other. The ship trembled, thutter of engines warming up, the eager promise of star and stars and green terror again. Get in, bawled Donovan. Get in! We'll hold them! He stood by watcher as the last crewman entered, stood barring the airlock with a wall of blood and iron. Through a blurring vision he saw Valduma approaching. She smiled at him, one slim hand running through the copper hair, the other held out in sign of peace. Tall and gracious and lovely beyond his knowing, she moved up toward Donovan, and her clear voice rang in his darkening mind. Basil, you at least could stay. You could guide us out to the stars. You go away, groaned Watcher. The devil's rage flamed in her face. She yelled, and a lance whistled from the sky and buried itself in the great breast. Watcher, yelled Donovan. 
The denarian snarled and snapped off the shaft that stood between his ribs. He whirled it over his head and Valduma's green eyes widened in fear. Donovan! roared Watcher and let it fly. It smashed home and the Anson dropped his sword and swayed on his feet. He couldn't look on the broken thing which had been Valduma. Boss! You go home now! Watcher laid him in the airlock and slammed the outer valve shut. Turning, he faced the Azunians. He couldn't see very well. One eye was gone, and there was a ragged darkness before the other. The sword felt heavy in his hand, but... Who? he roared and charged them. He spitted one and trampled another and tossed a third into the air. Whirling, he clove ahead and smashed a ribcase with his fist and chopped another across. His sword broke, and he grabbed two Arzunians and cracked their skulls together. They ran then, turned and fled from him, and he stood watching them go and laughed. His laughter filled the city, rolling from its walls, drowning the whistle of the ship's takeoff and bringing blood to his lips. He wiped his mouth with the back of one hand, spat, and lay down. We're clear, Basil. Helena clung to him, shivering in his arms, and he didn't know if it was a laugh or a sob in her throat. We're away, safe. We'll carry word back to Sol and they'll clear the Black Nebula for good. Yeah, he rubbed his eyes. Though I doubt the Navy will find anything. If those Arzunians have any sense, they'll project to various fringe planets, scatter and try to pass as harmless humanoids. But it doesn't matter, I suppose. The power is broken. And we'll go back to your home, Basil, and bring Answer and Terror together. And have a dozen children and... He nodded. Sure. Sure. But he wouldn't forget. In the winter nights, when the stars were sharp and cold and a sky of ringing crystal black, he would go out and watch them, or pull his roof over him and wait for dawn. He didn't know yet. Still... Even if this was a long ways from being the best of all possible universes, it had enough in it to make a man glad of his day. He whistled softly, feeling the words run through his head. Lift your glasses high. Kiss the girls goodbye. Live well, my friend, live well, live you well. For we're riding, for we're riding, for we're riding out to Terran Sky. Terran Sky. Terran Sky. The thought came all at once that it could be a song of comradeship, too. <laughs>